The new Elite Bet app has arrived. It's got all the betting features you expect and new ones you're going to love. Elite Bet is your one-stop shop on race day with Hot Bet, where you can back the tips of proven winning punters. Build fast sports multis and play same game multis. The Elite Bet app is the smoothest betting experience around. Trusted for 10 years, Elite Bet is 100% Australian owned. The only betting app you need is Elite Bet. Gamble responsibly. Welcome to the Building Resilience Podcast, a show where we explore the world of sport, music and business to deconstruct the tools and ethos of world-class performers to create growth and optimise business. I'm Noel Allnut, the CEO of Securo, and today I'm joined by rugby league legend and former footballer and coach, Terry Lamb. Terry Lamb says his success extends from the mere fact he believed in himself and surrounded himself with good people. Building Resilience Podcast. National Rugby League Hall of Famer Terry Lamb, welcome to the Building Resilience Podcast. Thanks, Noel. Appreciate the being here. Uh, Terry, I'm really looking forward to our conversation this morning. Um, and where I would like to start this is before we get on to your 350 games in, in NRL, I'd love to understand how did you get into it in the first place? Talk me through your your kind of childhood and, and what got you uh, what got you wanting to to play the game of rugby league. Um, I was I went to Sefton Infant School and a couple of mates of mine I mucked around with. I was only about uh, four year old. Um, asked me to go and play a game of football at Chester Hill. So that was my junior club at at the time and. I uh, went up to Chester Hill, had my first game, and fell in love with it as, as a five-year-old, five-year-old kid. Um, and I went to my first training session, got a black eye. My mum said I'm not allowed to play football anymore, so I ignored her and went straight back to training and um, got another black eye the next day. <laughs> so that was it. It was a game of resistance. You weren't going to be told that you weren't going to do something and uh, you were happy to get a black eye and a bloody nose in the process. Oh, absolutely, mate. I, I had five five older sisters and a brother, so I already had bloody nose and everything like that already. So You used to be knocked around a little bit. Absolutely. So Terry, tell me what, um, what it was like in your prime there, getting into the NRL, obviously working, starting with Western Suburbs, Magpies, uh, before before getting into the Bulldogs. But that was a tough time for uh, yeah. for, for rugby league players. So talk me through some of the, uh, the battle scores that you got from that time in the game. Well, the reason I went to Western Suburbs is um, Canterbury already had a couple of very good 5'8s down there, Gary Hughes and Neil Baker at the time in reserve grade. And my coach... Kenny Jennels was the Jersey flag coach for Canterbury SG Ball. He asked me to go on trial for Western Suburbs. So I had a couple of trials at Western Suburbs and um, they wanted to sign me on a contract. So I went back to Canterbury and asked Peter Moore um, what would what would he do if I was I asked for advice more than anything. And um, he said, mate, you go to Western Suburbs for a few years and then maybe come back to us when you're ready. So I had four years at Western Suburbs, had an absolutely great time. I was a mad, a mad uh, magpie supporter then. And um, four years later, I got an opportunity to go back to Canterbury. And um, at the time, Western Suburbs were struggling with money at the time. And 
Um, I had to look after my family, had a young family at the time, so yeah, I had to look after them and um, sign with the Bulldogs. And history's history. In the 13 years there, eight grand finals, couple of losses, and um, very good friends at, at the Bulldogs. Yeah, what a fantastic career and story! And congratulations, winning those Dally M awards and um, getting uh, getting into the grand finals and and lifting the trophy. What a fantastic time to to be in rugby league, and obviously you always be remembered for that. Um, what would you say would define you as a career? Because playing five eight, um, five foot five, um, and you're going to get some. You're going to get some big hits, right? So, yep. talk me through what could kind of really define your success. Oh, I just, I just, I just believed in in myself. I, I didn't see myself at five foot five. Um, I seen me as uh, probably six foot. To tell you the truth, and <laughs> I learnt all. I, I learnt all my um, trademarks as a junior. How to tackle properly, um, protect yourself, and them days was. Uh, quite violent in the 80s, so um, I went went to boxing school um, up at uh, Bankstown, Bankstown Boys Club, uh, so I, I did all the right things to protect myself in a, in a football game uh, in the early 80s, so um, I was a good tackler, I had some speed, and one thing I wasn't, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't scared about anything. Yeah, so just having that fearlessness, but also being a master of the craft, right? As you were, people talk a lot about all the other kind of ancillary things other than ability to pass or um, or your ability to, to make a play. But like you say, getting in the boxing gym, making sure you, you're fit, you're solid, obviously really helps to, um, re- to reduce the chance of injury, um, but also make sure that people who are, are facing you opposite know that you're uh, you're turning up to play, right? You're not just here, uh, here to make up the numbers. Who would be the most difficult player you've played against? Oh, the difficult. Oh, listen, I've got two of them. I've got Brett Kenny. I think that was probably one of the best five eights I've played against, and also Wally Lewis. Um, Wally could do anything on the field if he wanted to. He was quite lazy as a trainer. I thought he could have played a lot, lot more years than he did. Uh, and and Brett was, you know, I played against Brett more than I did against Wally Lewis. But what Wally did for for Queensland and Australia was incredible. And Brett Kenny was one of my favourite players as well. Yeah, a real legends of the game there as well. And um, a lot of people look up to those guys uh, still today in terms of uh, where they want to get within their rugby careers. Um, what were you like on the training field? Because obviously in modern sport today, the the, the data, the analytics that go into training and, and all of the kind of information out there, that wasn't around in your day. So what were you like on the training field and what were those drills like? Oh, no, I was, I was, I was quite fit. Um, I was probably one of the better trainers uh, at, at Western Canterbury. Uh, but, you know, them days were uh, road runs, uh, you know, Pre-season training were um, five, five to ten k runs on weekends. Um, yeah, they're they're pretty. It was more more getting fit, more than getting lean and nice and fit and and strong. Um, yeah, these and was there sprints? I probably wasn't any too many sprints going out there, so you had to go and do your own sprints and things like that. So, and and most players did that. 
Yeah, so you had that discipline in order to 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 not just rely what you were doing there in the on the training field, but also make sure that you were that you were that you were taking matters into your own hand in terms of uh, in terms of that extra level of exercise. Oh, absolutely. What would you say um, has been the biggest change in rugby league since you retired? I think it's. Um, I think it's. I think the game's got fast. I watch the players now. It's a faster game. Uh, the players are a lot stronger now. We didn't do that much weights in the early days. Um, so I just think it's quicker and faster and they're stronger players now. Um, and it's also um, noticed now is the, the head knocks and, and people getting hurt. So um, I think we're the players more now as well. Yeah, it's uh, there's definitely a lot more awareness that now with kind of length of time of people seeing how they they get injured and, and come back from injury. And what would speaking of injuries, what would be the um, what would be the toughest part of your career? What when you look back on that? I uh, listen. I was very very lucky in injuries. Um, I broke my leg when I was a kid. I think I was about thirteen years old. I broke the leg, um, and that's the only injury I had as a, as a kid. And when I went to uh, first grade, the worst injury was a broken rib and a broken arm. So I didn't have a lot of major injuries. At the moment, I've got knee injuries now and and sore hips. So that's just getting old, I think. I'm 62 now. So, um, yeah, I didn't get a lot of major injuries. So I was very, very lucky. Oh, that is that is fortunate, especially with those times as well, right? The the ability to kind of recover from injury. But I was having a look at some of the some of the the pitches that you guys played on once I was doing my research, and um, I think I would uh, I think I'd probably slip and uh, pull my groin before I'd even uh, kick the ball. So um, to to remain yeah. fit there, but of course you just adapt to your surroundings, and um, and of course that's just where the that's the environment that you play in. So you just get used to it. Yeah, but well. It's, it's a different game when when it's wet. Um, you have to be smarter. You have to kick the ball a little bit more and make sure they make mistakes down the opposite end. Um, and one one thing I did in in my career, I I learned how to read my own players. Like Steve Mortimer was an incredible person, and we had a great connection with him. Um, but I learned how to read our own players and what they could do. Step off their left foot, right foot. How they pop the ball up. Um, so I learned the, 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 their skills. I learned how, to, how they play. Yeah. And that's the thing, right? Being able to, being surrounded by those type of quality of people and being able to emulate them is a trait in itself, right? Because uh, learning is a skill. Um, and a lot of people that we have on the show, when they say, right, what was their kind of superpower? What was their ability? Was it, They'd see somebody do something and then go, the next week, bang, I'm going to do that myself and use their innate ability in order to do it. Um, and I think that's something that a lot of people can't learn from is that taking some time to assess what people are doing and understanding how you could get there, mirroring them and then going to the next level. It's a, it's a, it's an amazing skill to have and the, the top performers seem to have it. Uh, I played with some very good players. So I needed to learn how to play myself as well. I, I copied a few people as well. Um, but I did, I did learn how to read players and listen, I played with great players. So they made me look good. So that's, that's the only reason I, I was successful in 351st grade games 
and the people around me was very important yeah, to me. That's it. Surround yourself with good people and you're not going to go too far wrong. It was the saying that you are you are the output of the five people closest to you. So uh, looking at that backline and uh, the people that you work with, I can see how you were. Uh, I see how you uh, you won so much and um, and and uh, aspire to to be to where you were. That's correct. You are like many of the of the great players. They also turned their hand at coaching. Yep. What was it like going from being on the field, getting that bloody nose, and kind of really, really kind of being able to control the player, to being on the sidelines and coaching? What was that transition like? Um, it was quite easy for me because my eye. I retired in 96 um, and we didn't have a reserve grade coach at the time. So Peter Moore just threw me in the deep end and so did uh, Chris Anderson and Steve Folk. Threw me in the deep end and go and coach reserve grade. I had a very, very good reserve grade team. When you've got a good team, you don't have to show the players what to do. They, they, they just... You know, they just play their own game. That's that's what I wanted to do, them to do, play their own game in reserve grade. And then I went to see the West Tigers and um, I coached the West Tigers and I knew I wasn't good enough to co- to be a first-grade coach. Um, it was just a different different type of people. Um, so I, I knew I wasn't good enough to, to coach in the, the big grade. Okay. And... How did that? What 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 was the what what was the realization that that took you through? Right, because it's often quite difficult to um, when you've kind of been there and you've been at the t- at the top to go. You know what? This isn't for me. What was it in you that that made you comfortable to get that uh, to to make that distinction? Um, mate, I just thought that you know I remember going into first grade and playing my own style of football, and I just thought all players could. Could do the same thing, and um, and I didn't realise you had to being a coach. You had to teach these players where to go, what to do, how to read a game of football. And I thought everybody could do that, and and I wasn't good enough to show them players uh, that that decision. So um, yeah, I, I, I two years at West Tigers um, wasn't wasn't pleasant, but that's that's the way it was, you know. Um, so um, yeah, went back and went. Um, back to Canterbury and been a director and then started working for the Bulldogs. So looking at the Bulldogs today, yep. 2023, what do you think their chances are? What if, uh, what are you seeing from that team for the next uh, for this season and, season and beyond? I know we've got a very good coaching staff with Cameron Serrato. Uh, I know we've got a good team, but the team has got to gel first. So it could, listen, we, we could we could gel early, but it takes a long time for players to, to know each other, to get on with each other, to know who they are and what they do on the football field. Um, so it could take it could take twelve months, or could take could take two years. But I think we can make the the top eight. That's only because of why we're playing at the moment. But that all depends on injuries and all that with true state of origin test games. And uh, and the football game, I think, all depends on in- injuries as well. There you go. I think it's uh, definitely a team to watch for sure. Um, yeah. Uh, I think uh, it's going to be it's going to be an exciting time for a uh, for a, for a doggies fan over the next couple of years. I know a couple of the guys that I know that follow the follow the Canterbury Bulldogs. They're um, they're starting to get a little bit excited. To be honest, um, I am. Um, 
me personally, I used to, uh, I spent 14, 14 years of my 15 years in Australia in Bondi, so I followed the Roosters, but um, I'm now living pretty near Shark Park, so yep. uh, I'm getting down to see the Sharkies a bit more this year and uh, excited to see what's going to come out of those guys. Well, mate, I agree. I just I wish all the teams good luck, but I hope Canterbury get the better luck. So one day <laughs> Rooster, next day Feathered after. So that's what I say about the Roosters. But um, thank you very much for having me. And I uh, appreciate the time. I just want to kind of uh, to to finish there, Terry. Is um, yep. is um, what would be your uh, what would be your advice to anybody getting into professional sport now, knowing what you know from from your career? But even though the the game has changed somewhat, but what would be the what would you close us on in terms of your view on resilience and your view on what it what it makes to be a successful um, sports person? Uh, patience is very important. And I think I know um, from hand uh, with injuries. If you get injuries early in your career, you you struggle. You got to, your belief is important, uh, and surround yourself with good people. And uh, everything after midnight is not good. <laughs> I used to say that everything after midnight isn't good. And then I had children, and now it's everything after 10 o'clock. <laughs> uh, <so. laughs> oh, I know the feeling. I know, I know what you're talking about. I've got grandchildren now, so I'm going to wait till they're older <laughs> to go out. Um, Terry, thank you very much for taking the time today. Um, I wish you a great weekend. It's been a pleasure to to speak to you. Um, I'm sure that we'll keep in touch. And on behalf of uh, the listeners of the Build and Resilience podcast, congratulations on a fantastic career and um, and good luck with whatever comes next um, and being a grandfather. Well, my daughter just got married 12 months ago, so she's next in line. So hopefully so. All right. Thank you very much for your time, Terry. Thanks, Noel. All the best. Thanks for listening to the Bill and Resilience podcast. Make sure you hit subscribe or follow wherever you listen so you don't miss future episodes. Thank you today to our guest, Terry Lamb. I appreciate your time. Thank you to our sponsor, Securo. If you'd like to know more about me or Securo, you can head to securo.io. Securo. Trust tomorrow. This podcast was made by Afternoon Sport Group. Afternoon Sport Are you thinking about making a podcast? If so, contact the Afternoon Sport Group. We'll make it easy. With the technical know-how and industry knowledge, we'll get your podcast up and running in no time. Get in touch via our website or email hello at afternoonsport.com.